Hey, it's a news roundup. After a long and turbulent February, we're back in March with a new format. We're doing a news roundup. We're just going to talk about four news items, our thoughts, and, uh, you know, keep it relevant. Let us know in the comments if you like this format. And with that, Matt, what is our first news story that we're going to cover? Let's talk about an entry in the Game Discovery newsletter, which is written by Simon Carlos, and he did a survey of VR developers about the state of the game stores, you know, Oculus, Steam, and how easy it is to make money with your VR games. And there were some interesting things that came out of that. There weren't that many data points. I think it was only like 25 developers or, or something like that. Uh, but it's so hard to get insight, especially into the Quest store, that I still think this is this is pretty valuable to get an idea of the state of the industry. Um, some of the key takeaways was that the Quest store is a huge chunk of a lot of developers' revenue. You know, it sort of makes sense. Like, we've seen millions and millions of Quest headsets sold. I think it's like up to 10 million or something ridiculous like that now. And SteamVR has sort of been going into the dumps with like a lot of unmoderated content and it's just hard to find good stuff. And it's sort of more reserved for, for enthusiasts and niche content, but it's just interesting to hear that echoed back to us and, and know it for sure. Yeah, I think everything that's being said here makes sense, especially if you look at it from both a business and a consumer standpoint, right? Like the Quest is sold on its own. That's great especially compared to something like a Valve Index, which is like $1,200, plus you need a $1,200 computer to like run the games that, that plug into the index. You need a like $400 or whatever PlayStation in order to play on the PSVR. So like it kind of makes the most sense that people just want the console or want something that directly plays the VR games. They're not looking to spend a stack of money on top of a stack of money to get into VR. So it just sort of rings as like, yeah, this, you know, makes the most amount of sense that if you get your game on Quest, it's going to sell very well. But uh, the thing is, is that the Quest is kind of broken up into multiple parts, right? We have the Quest store proper. And whereas Steam has like early access and what have you, that's like very visible with all the other games. The Oculus store has the App Lab, which is kind of like this oddly secretive, wholly unlisted on the main Oculus page, like storefront where you can get these early access games and other titles that might not be early access, but they're like maybe not up to the full standards of like the Oculus store. Unfortunately, yeah. those games end up being really hard to find for anyone that's only searching through their Oculus app or on the uh, Oculus store online. You have to download a different program like SideQuest or find a special link to specifically navigate you to the app store, which just feels very kind of harmful to the health of the VR game library, as well as the like visibility to the players of like what experiences are out there, especially the free ones. I mean, what's better than seeing a good t free game on the marketplace and then playing it and thinking, wow, this is like fantastic. I can't wait for the full release version of this to come out or I'd like to provide some money to the developers to kind of help them bring this to completion. Right. That's definitely something that's evolved. I mean, so like at the beginning, right, the Oculus Store really didn't have any 
provision at all for the idea of like unfinished games that are still being sold. Whereas, you know, as you mentioned, Steam has early access for that. There was, you know, SideQuest then before and it wasn't officially sanctioned. Um, And, you know, it's interesting that the devs are, at least from the survey, are saying that SideQuest, which as an application has its own storefront where you can see games that are both free and paid, um, but aren't on the Oculus store. That's actually a pretty good way of getting people to see your game and buy it and, and discover that it exists. Whereas the officially sanctioned now App Lab, which is for experimental things, that aren't on the main Oculus store, but it's still sanctioned by Oculus. That's just like a total mess. It's completely impossible to get game sales only from that. You have to to advertise on the side quest, which isn't officially sanctioned. Right. And for the App Lab to be quote unquote like officially sanctioned feels kind of like wrong to say because they are treated like almost like the suicide squad right it's like we're (laughs) allocating sources from other things to go to this storefront but this storefront is completely off the books we have no recognition of it you know you have to find the storefront either through side quest itself or you have to find it through like a special uh like link And something else of interest related to the App Lab that's on this survey is that a fair number of these developers said that uh, their games can do well on the App Lab with an asterisk, that asterisk being as long as you promote the game on SideQuest. But like App Lab isn't this kind of like death curse to your game. Like I think Gorilla Tag was one of like the fastest, like most popular games in the last like year uh, to year and a half. And that was very much like banner image on SideQuest for a little while due to one reason or another, you know, potentially popularity, potentially maybe some sort of deal. But Definitely being able to promote your game one way or another, be it on the side quest or let's say Reddit, or if you're lucky enough being on the featured section of the Oculus main store, that is what really helps to propel your game. So it's always going to be that sort of like communication that your game is out there and this is what it offers is what's going to help you. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, like it's, it's nice that developers have been able to find some success in these ecosystems but really the getting onto the oculus store the main store is still like the thing that separates you from being able to make some money from being able to make like a lot of money or as much money as you can it's (laughs) one of the other takeaways was that the vr market is still a very very hard place to make money in um just because there's not that many users and it can be expensive to make the games but Yeah, so there is this danger of Oculus being the gatekeeper of like, is this game going to be successful? Am I going to let it onto the storefront? Um, And I guess we'll have to see if PlayStation VR, the the new PSVR 2, does anything to unseat that. But I I wouldn't place bets on that. I think we'll still see Oculus being a serious gatekeeper to the like being able to make a lot of money off of your your VR games. Right. You can have Oculus slash Facebook like looking at basically, let's say like a, a Beat Saber or any of these other studios that it, they acquired in the last like year or so. 
saying like, oh, hey, you guys put out a good game or a couple of good games. Now we're just going to give you funding. And when your game gets released, we're going to put you on the front page. And it becomes this kind of cycle of like, oh, okay, now we're kind of secured. We're making money. We're getting put on the front page. But that creates a very sort of insular system, right? Of, mm -hmm. of just these are our Oculus developers and we don't really care about anyone else or to prove yourself worthy enough <laughs> to join that round table. You need to try like three times as hard because now you're competing against these studios that are backed by like a very big publisher. And that's something that's kind of missing, I think, in the VR space is like a uh, big publishers are like a plethora of big publishers because in the non-vr game industry right we have like outs we have many things uh outside of just like microsoft nintendo and sony right there's like 2k there's activision blizzard there's like a whole host of other names that are able to throw money around and back projects but i just don't see that happening even half as often in the vr developer place yeah i mean we've definitely seen attempts at that not play out successfully what with asgard's wrath and you know other like big names putting big money behind big games and right they haven't they haven't made their money back potentially the last thing i'll say on this new story is sort of a uh, counterpoint to what we've been saying which is maybe the the fact that the oculus store is curated is really important at this point just by looking at what's happened with Steam VR. Steam VR mm -hmm. is uncurated, or at least like ungatekeeped, really. Um, and it's just like filled with not good experiences, right? So, like, maybe just at this point in the medium, in the market, we just have to deal with the fact that users are going to flock to a store that has curation. That's the best experience. We need curation, but it shouldn't be a grip around the neck of like a good game library. I feel right. like the game library is like, yes, it's curated, but right now it's wearing a turtleneck that's a little bit too tight and it's trying to breathe. And like, if we could just get that grip a little loose, then we can experience like more quality titles that even if they're in progress, they're presenting such an interesting novelty to the medium that it will just like make that marketplace flourish more. I, I see. I don't know if I agree. I mean, like even looking at the Oculus store, like the majority of the experiences there are not to a quality bar that I think we would find acceptable for for someone new coming into VR and mm -hmm. and like poking around like yes I I think there's it's a very hard problem that needs a lot more thought and like solutions both technically and socially but I wouldn't say there's just like a a, a clear simple path of like oh let's restrict entry into the marketplace less or let's you know have curated lists like th these things are potentially good but it's complicated agreed very complicated and i think the only thing i would suggest is maybe doing something similar to what uh, steam does in that like some users i usually notice that there's some sort of like this guy has a recommended list of games or something like that and i don't know how those get made but 
having that maybe directly linked to oculus or something like that whether it's like one of these vr youtubers or it's like hey this is our guy who plays oculus games all day every day and here's his Mm -hmm. like curated list i think that with like a good variety of different like povs would really help in terms of like helping people who love shooters find quality shooters people who like the cooking games find quality cooking games and things that are like kind of adjacent to what their main interest is rather than relying on just like the oculus like sale bundlings that they go for every now and then right shall should we move on to the next news item Yes, our next news item comes hot off the presses from Sony Interactive. Sony has announced their PSVR 2, how it will look. So much of this has already been announced, but like now we actually got a full picture of the controllers and the headset, and it looks okay i don't think it looks very revolutionary and that's totally fine we're not looking for a vr revolution from this but it does look very similar to the psvr1 the main differences i guess are kind of the tech and i think there's like a little bit more work towards the comfort factor and and venting into the headset so like things don't get foggy Uh, so this headset is supporting haptic feedback so now I guess your face is going to be able to rumble or something. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how that's going to be used exactly. I would be very intrigued to see how that goes. Maybe Resident Evil 4, when uh, the Chainsaw Man gets your neck, you feel the face mask vibrate as your head's getting lopped off. That would be very interesting. There's going to be eye tracking, uh, foveated rendering, which Matt can explain how those two will play together in just a moment there's also going to be 4k hdr uh, 120 hertz frame rates all the blast processing field (laughs) of view of 110 degrees there's going to be a hot pocket maker in the headset and obviously you know now i'm exaggerating at this point but you know we have all these buzzwords ultimately it's a going to be a higher tech headset at least compared to say the quest 2 it's going to have a higher field of view than the quest 2 i believe the quest 2 has about 90 degree field of view uh this will have 110 degrees so omg we're going to have 20 more degrees in our field of view well okay at a glance right like the hope with this is that it would be a bridge from the casual nature of the quest headsets to like a, a more powerful higher end vr experience but still for, you know, casual-ish users. And what higher end means now, rather than like two or three years ago, is like wider field of view, like good resolution, high frame rate, like the sort of quality bar that was set by the index. Like, I think it's really cool that that's going to be coming to a more consumer-facing product. To me, like the big downside, and you called this out as well, is the fact that it's not uncabled. Like you still have a cable running from the headset to the console and that just runs against the like revolution we've seen with the quest headsets where it's like so clear that untethered gameplay is 
the best and the way to go. And like, it's where everyone should be looking in the future. So that's like right. a big downside. This wire, albeit it has been like narrowed down to a single USB-C cable rather than a gaggle of cables and a breakout box. That cable still implies that you're going to have to spend more money on top of the headset you're already spending, which is like, I think kind of that's often overlooked, but like it's such a huge factor. And like you said, yeah, the Quest, it was a revolutionary moment because like, oh my goodness, I can do VR without the comfort factor of like having the wire, but also the monetary impact, which now more than ever is that much more important to people. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned it before, but let's focus in a little bit on the eye tracking foveated rendering thing, because I think that's probably out of all of this, the most revolutionary and like unique aspect of it. Yeah, what's foveated rendering? We hear that very often. It's a big buzzword, it seems like. But like, what's, what is foveated rendering and why is it important to eye tracking or vice versa? So this is sort of like a, a holy grail, you might call it, that people have been trying to work towards for like a long time now. Um, and it pertains to the idea of like, it, it would allow much more detailed rendering and graphics at a fraction of the computational cost. Um, so, so it means, you know, you're not constrained by the fact that it, normally in VR, you have to render like twice as much and three times as fast. And so you have these crappy models and textures that look awful and don't look real and it pulls you out of the experience. So with foveated rendering, the idea is that you actually track where the user, where the human is looking with their eyeballs and our eyeballs have a extra sensitive spot of nerves in like the center of our field of view and actually outside of that our vision is not too good and so if you're able to track exactly where the person is looking then you can just render all of your detail into that little spot and that's the fovea is the part of the eye that that contains all those nerves and so if you only have to render high detail in a small spot then you can make it much better detail. Now this requires very, very fast eye tracking because we sort of scan the scene in front of us very quickly with our eyes, like mm -hmm. many, many times a second back and forth. Okay. So that kind of reminds me of, uh, let's say LODing objects in meaning level of detail LOD. And typically games will have like three levels of LOD where it's like, Here's how the house looks super pretty. It's up in your face. You can see like every little bump on the brick that makes the house LOD at like the lower level is going to be, oh, this kind of looks like oddly like half modeled and like a little weird. And then when you get to like the lowest LOD model, it looks, it just looks like a cube. At the lowest like. LOD model, yeah, it just kind of looks like a weird glitch in the system. And typically, we'll see videos on Twitter and other places where, like, you've moved through an open world city too fast, and now you're seeing these very odd, gross-looking houses. And that's typically the LOD of the house that you're only supposed to see from, like, 20 miles away or something like that, because at that far away, it looks correct to your eye. And mm -hmm. so now it sounds like with eye tracking, we can have that LOD system working m like a lot better, a lot faster potentially, and 
actually being focused on where the player's gaze is rather than just having to like shotgun blast everything like you're gonna be the best LOD you're gonna be the best LOD oh no they turned like 10 degrees to the side now we gotta like swap it out what it actually ends up being is you just sort of end up rendering like half the pixels or a quarter of the pixels this -hmm. is something that the oculus quest headsets actually already have but in a fixed foveated rendering way so it doesn't track your eyes at all but it just doesn't render as many pixels around the edge of the your vision if you're looking straight into the headset at the highest level of that it's actually kind of blurry on like the whole bottom half of your your screen and that lowers the the power consumption and the processing needs but like it looks weird you know, I think like the, the the highest setting, it's only rendering like one out of every eight pixels in these edge regions, you know, but if it that was following your eye, then it's in your peripheral vision. And you, you wouldn't even notice it. That that to me, again, is like the most revolutionary thing. You know, we were thinking about it with like, oh, the Vive Pro Eye edition had an eye tracking module, but it was not fast enough to do foveated rendering. This is the first time like a low price eye tracking system has been integrated into a commercial headset and they've been able to do this so very very curious good on you sony letting uh letting us take one extra step towards that utopian vr headset that we keep rambling on about (laughs) (laughs) should we move on to the next news item yeah the next news item we're talking about is some metaverse bullshit Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-oh, HTC got into some hot water. (laughs) I think that's uh, that's everything HTC actually does is just terrible and people scoff at it. Uh, HTC is the manufacturer of the Vive headset and that line of products. Um, They were a phone manufacturer and they don't really know what they're doing, honestly, in the VR space. They're trying to cater towards corporate interests um and and market high-end headsets to corporate users but it's and then they also try to get back into the user facing side of things occasionally with no success they're, they're right. a hot mess let's just say yeah they don't know if they're making games they really mostly aren't making games they did an entire vr e3 presentation pretty specifically towards business people saying like hey you can be in a in a boardroom in vr and do your business meetings you can do on the site job training in vr and all this other stuff and nothing about games so that makes them like largely irrelevant to most of the I guess, VR masses that are kind of like really sort of mainstream consumer. I imagine for maybe military application and like hospitals and maybe some other stuff that they, those parties are very interested. But for, you know, hardcore gamers like us, <laughs> Vive and HTC might not be the, the move anymore. And so what happened most recently is that HTC put out a commercial for a thing they call the Viveverse, which is uh, their own version of the metaverse. It is HTC's metaverse. And if you're wondering, that's spelled V-I-V-E-R-S-E. So is it Viveverse? Vi- or, Vi- yeah, Viverse? that is kind Vive-verse? of Viveverse? I don't know. <laughs> 
it's a, so, it's a bad name. Bad name. Bad concept. Bad timing, honestly. Yeah. Like, where I think metaverse has already become such a overused buzzword at this point that like seeing anyone tack on to it just comes off as very disingenuous super cynical very corpo right it's like oh boy everybody's really kind of hopping on this idea here's what ours is going to look like and how can you even begin to think you're going to kind of like do something like that if you're not even supporting the entertainment side of the platform well, it also uh, achieves the hat trick of mentioning NFTs along with the metaverse. Like, of course, it's, it's it's all the like corpo buzzwords of like, oh shit, we we don't want to miss the train on this thing. Yeah, so, yeah biggest a- bandwagoning for sure. Like, if we had some awards, this would get my biggest bandwagon award Dude, for twenty twenty two right now. Right onto the bandwagon, but the bandwagon was going off a cliff as it was doing it. The that's, bandwagon that's passed like. their stop like fucking weeks ago <laughs> with that Super Bowl commercial that Oculus put out. Uh, it's just again, just bad timing, and a lot of people like looked at this and one they didn't understand what was being sold in the commercial they like read this as you know why are you guys talking about this just now like we're sick of this metaverse stuff do you even know like what you're saying when you say metaverse because like half the people if not more that are talking about metaverse stuff aren't in agreement on what the definition is or how it's gonna look like i don't even think zuckerberg like fully knows that i think they're very much just approaching it as a let's do it let's do it messy and then repair it later and it just was it just created a perfect like shitstorm for htc <laughs> yeah <laughs> to put this out there we'll we'll talk more about the metaverse uh in another episode but this is definitely a great example of peak buzz just total hype we don't even know what the metaverse is but we need to say that our company is aligned with it Um. (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) yep all right should we move on to our final news story here yes let's do it so some extra information news came out about the steam deck uh, as it pertains to standalone VR. Not only that, the Steam Deck actually just came out. The Steam Deck has officially been released, and that's supposed to be really big for both like mobile PC gaming and also VR. But as we're going to learn in a moment, it's not so big for VR anymore. Right. So the Steam Deck is a uh, standalone platform, sort of like a, imagine like a Nintendo Switch, like a handheld gaming platform. But for running any Steam game, and this is uh, built and, and sold by Valve, who are sort of into weird hardware projects, but they're almost always executed in a little bit of a funky way. See Steam Link, Steam Controller. Uh, was it the Steam Box? Is there standalone oh console Oh my god, attempt? the Steam Box. Yeah, that's what I was going to add on top of that. It's like they're done a little weird and then fully abandoned. Yep. <laughs> like Never iterated on, never some sort of successor. We see remnants, if anything, of the Steam Controller make it to the Steam Deck. And I think that's all we get are just remnants of those ideas that then move on to other wholly different ideas. It would be nice if Valve could kind of like iterate on a design and kind of keep a string of 
products going rather than saying like, here's this thing. Okay. We're, we're glad we got that project done. Now we're tired of it. I'm going to work on this completely different thing and maybe use the joysticks from the previous thing. Yeah. So the Steam Deck is now available, but we've been hearing sort of the occasional thing about it and how it relates to VR. I think it was either the Pistol Whip devs or the Super Hot devs who had been talking about testing the game on the Steam Deck as sort of like a non-Oculus standalone VR solution. I think there was even some interviews with Gabe Newell and whoever the product lead on the Steam Deck is that asked them straight up, like, can I run Half-Life Alex on this or can I run some sort of VR game on this? And I'm sure the response was like a very high pitched. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, probably, probably it's going to be a step for VR. <laughs> but as of recently, let's say I think it was like three days before the Steam Deck actually got delivered to people's homes. Someone went in and kind of like within the shadows set all the games across Steam entirely as in uh, at least the VR games. They listed them all as incompatible with the Steam Deck. And this was largely attributed to the resolution, I believe, like the highest resolution that the Steam Deck can achieve is 720p. But you need like far more than that to run VR, right? Like 1440 uh, or something. I mean, I, I mean, I could imagine like an upscaling solution, you know, have some sort of like AI thing or like, uh, you know, temporal aliasing. What I don't know. Like, I imagine someone could find a solution. I think it's more holistically just like in order for a VR game to run on this platform, it would have to be highly optimized for the specific hardware and software. And right. no game has had the chance to do that because they're not expected to. And it's it's not a VR platform at the end of the day. So, like, I think it's probably a good call, right? Go in and say, like, nope, not compatible. Um, you know, if in the future some VR dev actually does get it working, then maybe. Yeah, it's ultimately a good call. I guess just as a consumer, it comes off as a little bit shady because, again, you're like, as part of the marketing material, you're like entertaining this idea and... While it is a possibility, I guess you need to like stress three to five times over that it is just a possibility. And this is something that I guess, you know, kind of not VR related, but uh, I was watching a video recently of like that had marketing material for Psychonauts 2 and it was showing a lot of like in development stuff. And Tim Schafer was like very explicit in kind of notifying whoever is like watching this that like yeah whatever you're seeing is very likely going to change or like it may not be there at some point for one reason or another and that felt like really interesting compared to again like the Gabe Newell interviews or any other interviews you know most infamously Sean Murray with No Man's Sky where it's just like yes all of this is a possibility all of this is cool all of this is like possible but it's not it's almost feeding into like yes this is doable and then rather than the more Schaefer approach which is like this is this is neat but like don't get attached to it because like this is a ever-evolving process game development and things go in and out all the time I imagine with product development it's the same thing as well so kind of giving into the interviewer or the question of like oh will I be able to play like super hot VR on it and saying like ah oh, probably 
just kind of feels like a, a soft yes on at least the consumer side because we like to eat up the hype, you know? We like to right. eat up, like, the best-case scenario. And that's mm -hmm. why I say it needs to be stressed so much more that it's, like, just a possibility because someone might see an early interview, hear that, like, oh, it's probably going to be possible to do VR stuff, and then, bam, they pre-order it that day, spend however much money, and then, you know, it gets delivered to their house, and suddenly they, it's not doing what they thought it was going to do, and they haven't seen all the articles that have, like, super fine print that come out, like, one week week before the product is at their home saying oh that this is now different right and even if you say it's a possibility you know you would want to call out explicitly that the vr experience you would be receiving is something more along the lines of what you get with the quest not what you get with pc vr like it's sort of obvious to say but i think it would have to be called out you know in the, in the line that you're saying of like very explicitly as to not mislead the consumer um, you know, it's worth pointing out that like the rendering hardware and like the chips in inside the Steam Deck are actually more powerful just in like raw benchmarks than the stuff in the Quest. You know, you look at that, you're like, oh, well, of course it should be able to run, you know, standalone VR, at least in theory. Although, you know, there's specialized hardware inside the Quest to handle some of the VR specific things. I definitely would like to see in the future either like a second iteration of the Steam Deck or maybe some sort of like mega dongle that you can plug into it to enable VR, standalone VR. That'd be really cool because that would be a direct competitor to the Quest, but getting away from their walled garden locked off approach and disconnecting from Facebook entirely. Yeah, and I think that's what the market really needs right now is a competitor to the Quest. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, if you offload the processing onto a device like the Steam Deck, instead of actually embedding it in the headset device itself, then you get into a space where the headset can be a lot lighter and it, you know, it can be agnostic to the exact type of headset. So you could plug in your index, you know, your valve index potentially, but you could also use some sort of like new special headset that that's extraordinarily light and doesn't cause neck pain isn't tiring and, and hot to be in because it's just the lightweight uh whatever it takes to stream from the steam deck i think it's a very cool future opportunity for them and i would love to see what direction that goes in yeah i second that i would love to see a steam deck 2.0 or whatever they want to call it come down the road like two three years from now maybe and absolutely have vr be a integral part of that next model all right and that's all the news we have for you this week i hope you enjoyed listening to it if you want to hear more news let us know because this was pretty fun to record and we're not going to do these super often so we'll just find the stuff that looks very interesting and share it with y'all and yeah yeah let us know what you think shoot us feedback on on reddit or twitter or however else you can find us and uh have a great day have a great meta day are <laughs> 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 metaverse days longer than regular days i'd assume yes because i swear 30 minutes in vr feels like two hours in real Ooh, life <laughs> that's a good point yeah <laughs> it's the meta solstice <laughs> dude you, you come out of vr you've been like i've been in there for four years and it's it's like next month it's just like <laughs> 